Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Limitless Being Podcast. I am Danielle, your host, here to be a guide for you on this journey of life. This is a space cultivated with the intentions of connection, vulnerability, spirituality, limitless knowledge, explorative conversations, loving guidance, and so, so much more. I'm here to spread love while activating freedom within the collective consciousness. I'm a digital nomad and entrepreneur and a magnetic spiritual being here to help you activate your power to cultivate the life of your dreams. This container I have created is an incredibly safe space for us to have these conversations which lead us toward liberation, acceptance, and radical love of self. If you have found this podcast, it's by no accident. You've been guided here because there's a part of you who's ready to stop making excuses and live the life you've imagined. So join me here every Thursday. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Limitless Feet podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I have a guest and this is officially the first episode where I am interviewing someone on the Limitless Being podcast. So Mackenzie is here. She's a dear sister. She's one of my mentors, one of my greatest friends and loves of my life. She is the productivity coach, teaching people to master their time and energy so they can live a healthy work-life balance. She has about seven plus years in the world of productivity, neuroscience, business optimization, and energy teachings. She has also built a platform of over half a million worldwide. Y'all go check out her TikTok. It's insane. Her teachings have over 30 million views, has been published by the business insider BuzzFeed, and is one of the top followed productivity experts on TikTok today. After leaving an abusive marriage right on the heels of losing her fourth pregnancy in 2021, Mackenzie took time off to fully release and grieve who she was in order to become the woman she is today. Literal chills. Mac is back with a fresh and grounded perspective that only comes through integration and experience. I'm so happy to have you here, Mac. You are truly one of the biggest inspirations in my life. And I've said this to you so many times. I'm going to say it again. I would not be in the field that I am doing what I'm doing and at the level of success. Here no, I'm here. already crying. <laughs> already. Already. Um, I would not be here without you. You were there for me when you knew that my dream was to do what you were doing. And I had so much fear and so much imposter syndrome And you lovingly welcomed me into your realm, running your incredibly successful business, and you mentored me. And we'll talk about all the tools that you taught me that have completely changed my life. So my level of gratitude and love and just the inspiration that you give me every single day is unmatched. So thank you for being It is an honor. I'm sitting here, full body chills <laughs> with tears in my eyes, looking at you yeah. and hearing you talk because it is one of the most proud things as like a friend, as a coach, as you know, somebody in your corner. It, it's I just recently watched all the Creed movies. So it's very much I feel like I'm your Rocky in Creed's corner. Like it's just so brilliant to have witnessed what you have built and who you have become over the last couple of years together and you know, my perspective 
through all this is like, I see this woman and I cherish her and I see her and I love her. What can I do? How can I create a play space so she can go play? So she can use the tools so you can really thrive. Like that is one of the greatest joys. So I'm just so freaking thrilled to be here and to be on your podcast. Are you kidding me? Limitless Being Podcast. Let's go. So thank you, sweet Dan. Dan. We thank did you. it. We did it. Of course. Yeah. And before we get into all the juicy topics that we want to discuss today, I just also want to show the world and share with the world the type of relationship that we have, because you and I were both very dedicated to the work. We're dedicated to ourselves. We're dedicated to healing yourself, healing ourselves. And we're also, I believe, dedicated to reciprocal loving relationships um (laughs) so much so much tea there but um we have had so many parallels in particularly in the last year which we'll go into but ultimately no matter what we always had each other's back and we were giving you know equally right and I feel like that's so hard to find in sisterhood in relationships is that like equal give and take but you and I we we prioritize that and we cherish that. And I think that's where we're headed with relationships in this world as well. So ultimately we're we're showing a new way of loving each other and supporting each other too. I hugely appreciate that because I feel like sisterhood and like the sister bonds that a lot of what we try and create with other women in our lives. Uh, also, we have to remember that it also carries the mother wound. So sisterhood wounds are like a very, very deep, deep wound that we carry throughout our friendships. And that's why there is a level of um, like fear when it comes to vulnerability and reciprocal giving, because we didn't quite understand unconditional love from a mother figure. And we want to try and recreate that. But of course, those wounds come into play. So when we find a relationship that is true sisterhood, it is healing the mother wound. It is healing the sister wound. It is this like gorgeous evolution um, that takes a lot of resilience. And I can, without a doubt, say you're one of the three people in my life that has taught me unconditional love. And for a lot of women listening that are very strong, independent, I don't need no man, but like we're, we're business oriented. We're, we're, yeah, we've been there. Um, that it's very difficult to allow us to rely on somebody else. Um, but what I can say for certain is that you showed me I could rely on you through your actions, through your energy, and through your words. And so it allowed me to lean in. And so I feel like this beautiful sisterhood that we've built, this new evolution, has been this offering. Like, hey, I'm going to offer you a space to lean in. Hey, I'm offering you a space for your energy. You are, And it's this gorgeous very yogic, like, Hey, my hands are here. If you need them, I'm just going to here to check on you. Um, and I specifically remember you checking in with me every single day after I left my ex-husband, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling today? And that was the space that I was like, I want to be a friend like Danny's being a friend to me. And even though we had a relationship where I was your coach and you were my mentee, you were also still my sister somebody I could rely on, somebody I could lean on. So I just so appreciate you 
and your offerings and how you receive them and how you mm -hmm. reciprocate them in this unconditional way. Um, because I feel like it's through our friendship and our sisterhood, we've gotten the opportunity to individually heal our own mother trauma, our own sister trauma, and to really say like, no, this is the bar. This is the bar of sisterhood now. Yeah. Right. And now we have these, these really high, I don't even know if I want to say expectations, but standards, right? Because we've been able to show each other this level of love. And it's so funny that you, you say that we've healed the mother wound through our sisterhood, because I was thinking about this, of course, I'm, you know, thinking about this podcast and what I want to say and how I want to organize it before we got to this point and our relationship just reflecting back. You are one of the mo most nurturing humans I know, truly. Like you also activated that within me. I've always had a big heart and so much to give, but you actually, uh, you know, we met five years ago when I was 22 and, and you had so much more to give then and you showed me a new level of nurturing in relationships, a new level of maturity and communication. And ultimately I realized you gave me the love that I wish I had received from my mother. And it has definitely healed so much within me. So I, I thank you and I honor you. And knowing that we are going to be by each other's side, whether we're physically by each other's side or not, like we are soulmates linked through the ethers, through multiple timelines. She's a double, she's a Virgo, double Leo, y'all. And I've got double Leo placements too. So thank you. And I love you. And to kind of backtrack a little bit about your story and over the last year or so, I mean, a lot of the listeners and my clients know my unfolding, my leaving of the relationship. And what they don't know is that you were going through something around the same time as me. So let's talk a little bit, a little bit about your journey over the last year and where it's, how it's led you to where you're at now with yourself. So especially to now reflect sitting in 2023, where this was, what is it, April? April to May of 2021. So about two years ago, I was at the height of my business. I had hit half a million people on TikTok. My coaching business was absolutely full. I had a team of five. I was working with one her, of my coaches. Guys. I was coaching with me. Um, and... You know, I, as a productivity coach, but still running a business, I was working a lot. I was really effective. I had gotten published. But what was happening in the background was this level of deep emotional stress. Um, I was married at the time. Mm. You know, when you initially get married, you're like, yeah, I want this person forever. And uh, as a pattern recognizer, as somebody who's, you know, pattern oriented, I started noticing these patterns of how my ex husband would react at me, how he would treat our relationship. And I found this very specific pattern that started to really build and boil. It was kind of like a frog in boiling water situation. Um, so the, the pattern was, um, and for, for listener context, um, I met my ex husband when I was 26. We got married on our one year anniversary. We did have a significant age gap wonderful first year once we got married that's when the pandemic started and that's when my business also started to take off there was you know a lot of things that we were trying to move through and I noticed the specific pattern was my ex-husband would get really stressed out and start to do a ton more work and also pull back on attention intention and affection in our relationship 
being somebody who teaches communication, I'm like, hey, honey, I am coming to you. I'm missing our connection communication. That would make him feel really insecure. He would then find a way to villainize me in that process. And because I have all these communication tools, I'm like, great, I'm going to use my tools to let him calm down. But that would kind of make me doubly upset. So finally, by the time he calmed down and we were able to address my needs, I had gone through the ringer already. Um, And every time I would bring up this disconnect, the villainization would get stronger, louder, and harsher um, to the tune of eventually turning into an abusive, not safe situation. Um, So I was Mm. our main breadwinner with my business. He had had um, quit his job to look for a better one, one with better leadership. So on top of feeling disconnected, our our main breadwinner on a very public platform, not getting the, the, the relationship fulfillment that I was looking for. um, Also became pregnant for the second time within my marriage. Um, We had lost our our first one to an ectopic pregnancy in 2020, um, 2021. I'm pregnant again, and I want to be a mother more than anything in the world. Um, and I also recognize that I was believing in my own fantasy, like kind of like, oh, you know, he's telling me who he is, but I like my fantasy more. So I'm going to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. And this is I'm kind Relatable. of giving you the, the large overview. Um, so right. was really elated, kind of allowed myself to ignore the signs and symptoms of that pattern repetition because I so badly wanted to be a mother because I so badly wanted to have this feeling that I had been chasing for most of my adult life come to the first trimester appointment, no heartbeat. And that was excruciating because it was the week before my 29th birthday week later, 29th birthday, welcome to your Saturn return. The week after that, it was a very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. My ex-husband freaked out at me, took my keys away, said some really gnarly, nasty things. Essentially, within two hours, burned down two years of our relationship. And I stood there silent. Absolutely silent. Terrified, silent, stunned. Um, And it took, I initially left, but ultimately it took me like five tries to fully leave. Um, And then I was at bare zero. I was exhausted from my business. I left it entirely without word, just jellyfish pieced out from the internet, Um, went back to the serving industry because I didn't want to answer emails or be on a public platform and felt like I was in this like insane limbo for a really long time. And it took about 18 months to fully like pull my head out from the turtleneck and be like, wow, no. I feel better. I feel different. And it's, 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 it's a crazy journey to think about it in hindsight. Uh, But the lessons that were gleaned and, you know, the, the, it feels like the pain is never ending, but there is an end to it. Uh, But that journey was shocking because my whole entire life changed within four weeks like a two by four, the universe was like, Hey sister, we going to change the course of your life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And just to talk a little bit about the Saturn return, if, if you're listening and you don't know what that means, it's essentially there's three of them in your lifetime. If you live to like 80, 90, but the first one happens around 29, 30. And it's when Saturn returns to its original, the original place 
that it was when you were born. And Saturn is the planet of karmic lessons and intense teachings. Like it's a teacher, but it's a very masculine, like kind of hits you in the face until you get it right teacher. <laughs> and so that Saturn return happening around the time of essentially everything crumbling is, I, I mean, I thought I went through shit, but if I'm being honest with you, Mac, like, I don't know how you handle that. I don't know how you got through like that, but I'm so impressed. And obviously it shows your strength and your fucking power because now you're rebuilding on a foundation that is way more in alignment with who you are and, and what you're actually calling into your life. And I want to, and I'm sure the listeners want to know, looking back, ultimately, how do you feel about that massive two-year transformation? And what are those like golden nuggets that you have really gained and integrated into your, your life now? Looking back, some of the major things that I gleaned, it's, it's, it's difficult because I, I think about when I was hit by a car my, when I was 21 as a pedestrian walking across the street on Valentine's Day, and I ended up yeah. with a traumatic brain injury because of it took about a two year recovery. And now nine years later, 10 years later, Oh my God, 10 years later, <laughs> I can, I can very confidently say like, I am very grateful for that traumatic incident in my life because right. it knocked me into myself more or less. I wouldn't be in the field right. of study and the career that I've had without that experience because of the journey it led me on to healing and becoming who I am. Right. I also don't wish that upon anybody. I would not recommend getting hit by a car <laughs> because it's, yeah, it's awful, right? No, nobody wants that. Right. Um, and right. one of the biggest journeys <laughs> of this grief that I went through was like, you know, I obviously don't wish to repeat this in my life. I though yeah. have found a deep gratitude for who I am because of it. And I wouldn't be who I am without that. Would I wish anybody to go what I went through? Absolutely the fuck not. It was terrible. <laughs> but what I've learned about myself and how close I've come to myself, how deeply in love with who I am in such a peaceful way. Yeah. Amazing. But I, it was, uh, I became this despite of what happened. Right. In spite, despite mm -hmm. words are hard, whatever that word is, but it was a really big eye-opening experience. Number one, I take full responsibility in the fact that I believed and wanted the fantasy I had for my life more than my safety. Listen up, ladies. I want I want to take a little pause for a moment because one of my questions for you is, of course, if somebody's dealing with this, how do they start to break through the illusion? Because you and I have both experienced different types of abuse in romantic relationships. And so to hear that and to remind ourselves that there is this illus illusory component when it comes to love, illusion. there's this illusion component when it comes to love. And ultimately, if you could give some advice on how to recognize if you are tricking yourself because you know the brain and you know neuroscience so well, is there a way to recognize if we are tricking ourselves into believing that 
our loving, loving relationship or our partner is something other than what they actually yes. are. Take notes, literally, like take notes of every instance, both good and bad. I keep a notes app on my phone. I started, I remember like I started a journal when I was like, oh, I think this is a pattern, right? Studying. Like you have to study you, the situations you put yourself in because I, I you know, I, I, one of the things I hated feeling was the, oh, this happened to me. Why me? Victim mindset. It's normal to feel that first right. of all. But to start to recognize, hey, am I putting myself in a situation that, you know, am I repeating a pattern? How do I recognize if they're who they actually say they are? Is evidence gathering. Mm -hmm. So our brains and our subconscious are pattern, like pattern finders. They will find a pattern and find situations and experiences to confirm that pattern. Um, so one, take an observer seat. So when you're experiencing something that makes you sad or makes you angry or you're like, not this again, take a note and actually write down everything that's happened and your reactions to that. What is the thing that led up to this experience? Because that was a main way that I was able to glean, wait, what my ex-husband, how he's treating me is actually a pattern and it is only getting larger. And one of the biggest things mm -hmm. I asked myself in that like leaving was, you know, I recognize that he has this pattern. Why am I allowing it to continue? What part of me is allowing this to continue? Because one of the things with our subconscious and our identity is that we have patterns that we seek out that logically you are like, that's not a safe thing for you, babe. But it is something that is like a deep rooted pattern that we believe is safe. Just because you believe it's safe doesn't actually mean it's safe. So that first step to answer your question, Danny, is literally write down these experiences. With my partner today, I have a whole ass long notes app of a year, along with like his favorite movies and books and shit. But like evidence gathering, what did you say you were going to do? Did you actually fulfill on that? Because then if you're questioning, you can actually go back and say, oh, wait, like, yes, this person is being true to the word or oh, wait. This person isn't being true to their word or, oh, they're reacting in the same pattern that they said that they were going to change last time. That is, that is so incredible. I've never done that. And looking back with the <laughs> level of manipulation that I've experienced in some relationships, that would be so good for gaslighting moments because you're like, oh, well, actually I have receipts. <laughs> Right. So you, that's, that's so beautiful and so smart to, to have that to reflect back to if you're in a moment of heightened emotion and you can't really, you know, your, your thoughts aren't clear, your memory isn't clear. You have that to reflect back on, not to mention you obviously having um, had previous brain damage from the car accident. That's also useful for somebody that you know, may have experienced something similar to yeah. you as well. So that note wow. thing of that lesson of like, I recognize that I believed in my fantasy more than my own safety was like, okay, because at the end of this, you know, blame is, you have no control when you're blaming somebody. And if you really want to grow and evolve out of something or because of something, you got to find ways to take responsibility for your part in the pattern creation. Um, mm -hmm. And with yeah. like another thing that I recognized of, oh, okay, 
this is how Mackenzie can grow, is I recognized that I was stepping a lot into the coach mode, right? Like productivity coaching was my whole entire being. Like it was what I did day in, day out. And it was very difficult for me to drop that in my partnership because I had the strongest communication skills. So mm-hmm. I would essentially put my own emotions on the back burner in order to very elegantly and articulately navigate a struggle situation. But in doing that, I took a hundred percent of the responsibility to create the solution. Like I didn't give him any opportunity to be like, what solution do you want to provide? I would say like, this is what we're doing. So I recognize that, you know, how can I grow from that? Just because I know the answer doesn't mean I need to give it. And because then that gives them the opportunity to be a full participant in the in the conversation as well. Um, and I honestly recognize that too late. And my ex-husband didn't have the capacity to create a solution that stuck. And that was uh, ultimately the one of the reasons why we're like, hmm, this isn't going to be alongside the other laundry list of things. But like, hey, like communications at the heart of it. I recognize that I was communicating to a point that was like it had to be my way you know what I mean yeah very beautiful and that level of awareness takes a certain type of individual um and it sounds like you were approaching the container of the relationship in a very conscious way you had so much you know I witnessed this right you had and have so much patience with people you give people so many opportunities to prove your, you know, newly developed beliefs wrong. Right. And it sounds like you were really trying to be as conscious as possible to, um, to build that bridge, to come back to one another. And it just ultimately didn't work out. And I'm really grateful that you brought up the victimization aspect, because I think at least from my experience, it feels like the victim mentality is the first kind of the first step after you're coming out of something or going through something really intense or some sort of trauma. It's almost like we automatically go into that, which is absolutely okay. Right. I think it's a part of the journey. As long as you're not continuing to wear the the hat of I am the victim to life for the rest of your life. Um, And then you start to, you know, find a certain level of acceptance. You start to, understand what's actually happening what's actually unfolding it's almost like the 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 different phases of grief right and what I really want to talk about go for it go ahead so what I really want to talk about is anger and the rage that you and I both felt and have felt from going through separation processes So when did that start to, you know, after the sadness and the acceptance and the victim mentality, when did the the sacred feminine rage, by the way, let's talk a little bit about that. When did that start to enter and what's your thought? So one of the things in my experience of note is the level of feeling like a victim, like why the fuck did this happen to me? What did I do wrong? And like truly how my relationship ended was something that was complete, like was not something that I really had a lot of control over because of that particular situation. Uh, You know, being yelled at and things thrown at you and being cornered really hard to have control over. 
Um, but the, then the grief, then the sadness, then the anger, sometimes uh, we can really intellectualize, like, first I'm in this emotion, and then I'm in this emotion, and then up, where it's really this fucking cauldron of soup. And you have the bits of oh, these things, and they're swirling around. So um, my ex-husband was a very Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, so listeners can understand that, like, I was being screamed in my face, his threw his wedding ring at me, threw a picture frame it. We took away my wow. keys. He said, you know, I'm so grateful we lost the pregnancy. Um, you should just fucking leave. But if you walk out those doors, our marriage is fucking over. This isn't your house. This isn't your money. All of the worst things <laughs> burned it down. So it was this wow. level of like, I am so angry at you for saying these things. And this, mind you, came on the heels of me saying, I don't want to be intimate with you tonight because you ignored me all day. And when I specifically asked you not to, and you did, and I'm not going to just fuck you and go to sleep, I'm going to read my book because I don't feel good. And he yeah. released this level of anger. It is totally normal to be frozen. Like I had this frozen anger and my mom's an attorney. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, first of all, if I break something, it's going to be worse. If I throw something, it's going to be worse. Stay silent. Everything you like this man says or does can be held up in a court of law. Stay the fuck silent, Mackenzie. Like it was a safety move. But I had this swirling anger of like, I want to prove you wrong. Like what you're saying is wrong. But for my safety, it was like, mom's the word. Mom's the word, no matter how much I wanted. So I immediately had that rage where it really started to come out was a couple weeks after being cornered and kind of the culmination of everything. I, it felt like in Avatar when Zoe Saldana gets really mad at Sam Worthington and like pushes him and has this like primal noise that comes out and speaks in her native language. It felt like that person, mm -hmm. that part of me in my, like I call it my inner counsel was trying to protect me. It was mm -hmm. this fierce, sharp teeth, like, I don't, I'm not going to go out of the, of my campsite to go maim you. I am protecting and you have crossed a boundary. And what I, I started having right. a lot of panic attacks. Like I was at your house when I had several of them, yeah. like two weeks following leaving because I didn't have a house. I had maybe $120 in my bank account, no job, nothing. And I realized that rage unexpressed turned inwards creates panic. And that's why I was having panic attacks. So the only way to alleviate this mm -hmm. panic was to express this rage in a really safe manner. Turns out you can yell at people. <laughs> Turns out you can actually say, mm -hmm. it was almost as if, I feel like you've experienced this as well, our patience was taken advantage of mm -hmm. and we gave too much of it. So right. the rage started immediately and it took me about eight months to really make friends with my rage, to recognize when she was growling, to give her a platform to speak when it was needed and called for in a way that honored her, her feelings and her words. Um, right. And being able to do that has both like, it actually softened me. It actually softened my being to be able to safely mm -hmm. express. I'm very confident with my rage now. I know that she's here to protect me, mm -hmm. that if I get any kind of rage feeling, the boundaries that I've set are actually being crossed. And so rage is called for. It is, it's a call to action yeah. and she is allowed to howl. Mm -hmm. That is 
It is a call to action. My rage is a call to action, and she is allowed to howl. I have full body chills right now. I think this is such an important topic to discuss, and thank you for sharing. And of course, thank you for being vulnerable and open with all of these aspects of yourself and your life. This is going to have such a ripple effect for others that have experienced something similar. And I think rage when it comes to women you know anger and rage is seems to be or is known as a very masculine way of responding right and so we have been told for eons since the beginning of time right when when language was a thing that women should not be angry women should not react we shouldn't raise our voices we shouldn't we we shouldn't do anything right to react in that type of way when ultimately it sounds like it was the key and the catalyst to your freedom and to your peace. And I think that's so true because we're, we're blocked down and you even said it, you felt that it was frozen inside of you. So my question for you and to help me and to help everybody listening is how did you, what was that first step to start releasing that rage? How did you make friends with her and learn to love the fuck out of her so that ultimately she's an ally and no longer a perceived enemy? Mm, thank you for that. Yes. And it's, it's cool to also just as a sidebar, go through this because, you know, I'm still relatively newish out of this, right? Two years, right? seems like a long time. It felt like a felt like a lifetime, <laughs> but it, it's true. I think as, as I have this perspective that you're saying of like anger, like becoming and releasing my rage was a huge catalyst to my healing. Absolutely. Because, and, and the first, the first little rip of the paper that led to the like unfurling of befriending and protecting my rage almost um, was my ex-husband when I was, you know, the, the reason I, I packed up my shit and left um, was because he said, I can't fix this. Like, I can't fix me. And I said, okay, call my little brother in Denver. I got the word hi out. 13 hours later, little brother picked me up. I was pet- picking up my suitcases to put in the car on Saturday afternoon. And he said, wait, I really want to fix this. I really want to try. And I was like, ah, no, but fine. We can keep that therapy appointment. Mm. Um, I ended up meeting my therapist who I love and adore and go to all the time. He was actually the one who gave me the platform and encouraged my rage to come out. This 75 year old man who's been married 52 years, Dr. Patrick wow. Kelly said, you know, no, we'll, we'll have a session and I will make him stay silent as you speak to him and you can yell at him. You can curse at him. Just don't ask questions, state them instead of saying, do you know what you lost? No, say you don't know what you lost. You don't like say it in a way that is going to honor you. You can write it down, but I will make sure he sits there and listens. And that was the kindest gift. That a therapist, yeah. I've had I've had two really amazing therapists I've worked with through this journey. Um, but that was the first experience. And I remember having sitting in the waiting room in the journal, the same journal that I started months ago when he first started this pattern and I rec- I was letting mm. her speak through my handwriting I could hear her so clearly her handwriting was different it was all caps it was strong pen strokes to then be able to mm. 
go into that room and be given. I was like really given a gift of the platform of this because my rage didn't know if it was safe enough to come out. And that's, I think, a huge reason why women, us women today are hesitant on expressing anger, expressing any kind of rage because it doesn't feel safe because we're afraid of getting killed. That's the primal version of it. But that then taught me, oh, I am allowed to have this. With my other therapist, who is a more energetic-based therapist, we gave her an animal totem. She's the cheetah. Like I picked through my animal cards. I was like, show me what totem my anger is. Who is she? So, And rage gets louder when you don't acknowledge it. So I made her a cheetah. Mm -hmm. So I knew when she was like, when she would her heckles were raised. I'm like, Oh, I recognize that there's a part of me that's getting angry. Just being able to recognize and talk with her. And I remember the first time I expressed the rage outside of like a sanctioned situation was around Thanksgiving. My ex-husband and I were like, maybe, 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 you know, you, you have this subconscious, you create your identity around this relationship that it's very difficult to leave despite your safety concerns. And I remember him saying doing something that made my heckles raise and I remember picking up a chair this this little micro moment where you pick up a chair and set it down but in that moment was okay I see my rage is about like she's loud are we gonna let her out yeah we fucking are and I sat the chair down and I told him to sit down and I was like this is not okay and I it was a lot louder than that and (laughs) went on for a while but I, I I recognized how to start to give her the platform when her boundaries were being tested. And now two years later, she is somebody in my inner space that I am very close with that I'm very Mm -hmm. confident with that I honor so, so deeply and let her come out when it's called for in a safe manner, right? Nobody's, there's not going to be anything broken, you know, physically speaking, like it is a safe way to fully express that rage. Yeah. Thank God for that therapist, because if I ever went to him with one of my exes who, you know, cheated or whatever they did, manipulated me to be able to be told by somebody first and foremost, you have this space. It is yours. I will support you in your unfolding, in your raging out, in your anger. That, so that was the first step. You, you had that guide in your life to say, you are safe with this. And then ultimately that led to the unfolding of continuously releasing. And you talk, you, you talk about your rage as a her, right? And I want to talk about this because this is, you guys, she has taught me like almost everything that I know and coach right now. And I do talk about that inner counsel as well. And the inner counsel involves a lot of people have heard inner child healing, inner teenager healing, shadow work. These are all ultimately aspects of ourselves that exist within our mind, within our being. And they can also be specific emotions, right? And my my question for you is, do you connect your rage to your shadow? They're actually separate. Or is she? They're totally different. different. Okay. So I, for listeners, I, I, I believe that all of like Danny talks about inner counsel, right? Like your inner child, it's not just one. There's like eight of us, right? Inner teen, right? And you have these specific experiences. Like one of my inner selves is Santa Barbara, Danny's birthday inner self, 
what do we want to say at a bar for her birthday? And we have this like carefree, like that's, you know, wine drinking at a vineyard all day, right? We have all of these inner selves, Mm -hmm. like inner theater, sophomore of high school, Mackenzie, Cinderella, four-year-old, typical inner child. But then we had like the, Mm -hmm. I remember like first meeting my shadow. I have like three or four shadows. It's not just one, right? They're shadows Mm -hmm. of multiple aspects of self, right? And then you also then have Mm -hmm. the future unfolding. You have the super nurturing inner self. You've got them. I've got one gal. I call her Daphne. She wears like a purple business <laughs> power suit, but is like so soft and loving. But she is a like the man, the Ted Lasso, uh, super blonde, tall gal. Like she's very large and in charge, mm-hmm. but so soft and kind that we have these inner council meetings. Like it's like, a, you know, Leslie Nope city chamber. Mm-hmm. And all of the inner selves come to the meeting and there's a lot of them. And I'm constantly meeting new versions of them and pairing them off and giving them the floor. Um, but for me, rage, rage is very separate. And even in within, within her, within rage, I have the physical idea of what she as a human looks like. And she also has that mm. cheetah, right? That animal totem next to her. And she almost has like a gaggle, like she's in charge of the, a gaggle of folk who are protective, but she is the voice for them all. So it's, I, I, I really encourage anybody that is going through this to, to explore what color clothes they are wearing, what color is their hair, how tall are they? Are they an animal? Are they a feeling? Are they a color? Are they a candy? Like you are allowed to create a physical memory manifestation of these feelings and beings that you have because if you're easily able to remember what they look like you can call upon them and talk to them a lot easier Mm. so ultimately what do you think one gains in their healing out of this individualization of these different aspects of our multi-dimensional self you almost get to separate yourself the experience the emotions so that you can sit properly with it. What I mean by that is when you just think that it's you against the experience, the one person against the experience, that's a lot to fucking handle, right? And it's almost creating a community within yourself and call like if, to be able to create a community within yourself, like, Oh, I know that um, the, teenage soccer version of me, she is super, she has a lot of endurance. She has a lot of endurance. So I'm going to pair her with my inner, like, even though she's like 12 years old, I'm going to pair her with my 29 year old broken self because she's going to be like, well, why don't we go? Why don't we go outside? Like, I'll walk with you. It just Mm -hmm. allows this level of community within yourself that you don't have to think it in a one track mind. You almost get this community aspect without having external community because it can feel really fucking lonely going through this that you are creating a community to be able to split up and eat it chunk by chunk instead of shoving it all in your mouth at the same time wow i appreciate that so ultimately it helps with the overwhelm that these emotions and these aspects can cause and then it also gives you with the love and acceptance that you have to invite into the table, into the council, because um, some of us, like we said, with rage, look at rage and we're like, nope, we ain't deal with that. Nope, you're bad. You're bad, right? We want to label things as bad or good, but 
you obviously made friends with all and, and you love all of these aspects of yourself. So internally, you feel that that abundance of love from that inner community. That and, it, and it goes to the subconscious reprogramming that you and I talk about so much and that I know we want you we want to highlight here, too, mm-hmm. is yes. The way that I imagine the subconscious is if you've either seen the movie Inside Out, that super cute little Pixar movie with joy and sadness and anger, that's exactly how our subconscious works. And there's all those little micro memories, but it's almost like a giant library of everything you've ever experienced. And there are files. There's a whole filing system of your subconscious and you can think of them as little foxes or minions or little beings, whatever. But (laughs) Essentially, your brain as a pattern seeking mechanism is going to add to files of patterns that they know exist. So, for example, if we take that the rage is bad, I'm not allowed to be angry file, that file is really fucking thick. But if we pair other positive, really confident files with this new, like, I really want to make friends with my rage file, you are more likely to actually have a shift in your subconscious identity that will make rage your friend. Like you can't just say consciously, Hey rage, we're going to be besties. That's not safe at that point because you've had so many negative experiences around it. So if you pair it with 12 year old, super fun endurance soccer, McKenzie, who has lots of experience doing challenging games and tournaments and still having a good time, I'm going to say, cool, I'm going to pull the, I'm going to look at soccer file with, with this, can I be good at rage file? And when I pair them together, the experience of I'm good at soccer is going to tell Rage, oh, I'm good at you too. So it is almost like you're playing go fish, but with new matches. And that is how on a subconscious level that you are actually able to integrate and start to shift one degree at a time how you feel about yourself and emotions. So beautiful. And you are because of these tools, because of these teachings around the subconscious, which we're going to get into a little more heavily, but because of you having all of these amazing, impactful ways of self-regulation, ultimately, not to mention, and I want to highlight this as well, you knew you needed help. There are so many people that go through what you experienced and don't invest in a therapist, don't invest in a coach, don't seek help outside of themselves because they feel like they're supposed to or whatever reason it is you had an army in my opinion an army of people like holding you helping you guiding you being there for you invested in and also friends you know some friends and family but ultimately you also had these tools that brought you back brought you to this version that you are today. And I want to talk about her really quickly before we get into deeper subconscious stuff. So who are you today because of it? How would you describe the ultimate um, coming out of the chrysalis, so to speak? She, like, who I am today compared to who I was before it, during it, and immediately after is at so much peace with myself like I am the most peaceful and soft and slow I have ever been because we went it was I mean that was fucking a hellscape it was a hellscape and I and I also just want to acknowledge like there are some people that are really lucky that have an army of external community 
like you have the friends that show up for you that are there for you that are like, yeah, no problem. Danny and I didn't quite have an army. We (laughs) had, we had a special forces unit. So we didn't need an army. We had a very (laughs) specialized, a very small, small group. And it's, I just want to acknowledge that like, it's normal for people to fall away when you're going through something really fucking hard. It's normal. It Mm. sucks. It's hard. And we will be your army because we know how that feels. Um, But my army was you, Mm -hmm. my little brother, Chloe, Andrew, my mom, and my two therapists. I'm really lucky that I had two therapists, neither of which I had to financially invest in. I recognize that that is such a fucking privilege. Mm -hmm. And if you want their contacts, just reach out to Danny. I will will blast them to the rooftops. But I was really lucky. We also got We also, yeah, right? But like to... And I had fantasy novels, right? Like your army doesn't have to be a physical being. It could be TikTok. It could be, it could be the books. It could be walking. Um, also, my sweet partner just walked in. So if you hear a shuffling in the background, it is the handsome man that just walked in. Um, so, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Army of people. It's no. I want to. I want to talk about this point where it's normal to yes. lose people because we went through a major grieving process of the partner of the relationship of you know all of the aspects that were encompassed in that relationship are you know almost our entire life right and in that process people that we thought were going to be there forever that we thought were going to be our best friends could not be there for us when the going got tough and to highlight unfortunately that is a very real part of relationships is sometimes people can't meet you at the depth that they haven't met themselves. And it's, and if you just, if your issues disturb their peace, that's not a foundation of a friendship or a relationship that I personally want in my life. It's, it goes, uh, one of the biggest lessons I feel you and I have really learned is when people show you who they are, believe them. And our, Mm -hmm. we have the utmost patience within pattern boundaries. For example, First time is a mistake, second time is a behavior, third time is a personality trait, and there's no more patience, right? Mm-hmm. I absolutely always give people two chances because I've been on the other end of like, fuck, I made a mistake. And then I made the exact same mistake again. And I'm like, yeah. I don't, ooh, this is a behavior now. I don't want to be this person and shifted it around. But if it happens a third time, it's a personality trait. And so one of the things that you and I have both done mm-hmm. for those friendships that fell away, first, we were really angry totally normal to be angry. So like, it's hurtful. It's a sister, it's a sister wound. Um, and I recognize like I pulled back from everybody because I had so many close people pull away from me, my ex-husband included. And then I had to re like recreate like, Oh no, no, no. This is what friendship actually means to me. Um, that when it comes to friendships, you can have multiple tiers of friendships because we want to set ourselves up for success. I'm holding Paulo Santo here, by the way, because it's just so perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, like tier one, tier one is the unconditionals, the forevers, um, the, the family, like what, who you're choosing tier two. It's almost like, you know, if tier one is a hundred points and people are showing up a hundred beautiful but if you put somebody in tier one who's showing up 50 points when you have them in a space of giving 100, you're going to really feel that 50% deficit. It's going to be debilitating. So mm-hmm. why not shift your expectations and, you know, giving and receiving to that tier two? 
because then you're going to feel really complete with 50 out of 50. So I think that shift of like, it's okay to shuffle people in your life because we are all going through seasons, yeah. um, communicate your needs and also accept that those needs might not be met. And that's okay because you got your inner community that right. always got you 110%. Mm-hmm. And Danny Sharkey in your corner. Beautiful. And you, of course. Um, so you have, you have shared with me that you found this, this new sense of peace and also just like stability within yourself and, and more in the nurturing feminine energy, divine feminine energy, because previous Mac was, you guys, she was (laughs) running a fucking empire. Like this girl, I would look away for an hour and I'd be back and she'd be like, Oh yeah, I just built three new pieces of the business and I'm funneling in thousands and thousands of dollars. And I'm just like, you were such an inspiration, but ultimately that, that, was out of balance, right? And so it led you back home. All of this, all of the chaos, the pain, the loss, the grief, the transitions led you back home to the feminine side of you. And then to just like the inner council, the union of the inner council, ultimately the union of the masculine and the feminine. I think there is a level. Yes, it really does. Like I know, especially for when I was at like the peak of, what like really like there's Mac personality, right? Mac, the productivity coach, Mac, Mm -hmm. this, like, she is a mover. She's a shaker. She's like just a strong presence. And I really loved being that, but I was also so stressed fuck out for so many reasons. And to really take a, a, a full step away from a six figure business and to just shut it off. Right. I sacrificed my financial well-being for my mental well-being. I am totally fine with that. Mm. I'm very glad I did that. It taught me a lot of lessons and it just gave me this humility for like, wow, I'm really glad that this Mac, the productivity coach, like led me through this journey. Um, And because of her, I can take it. I can take a step back now. And there was a huge, I I see her. She's like a bull. She's like a fucking bull. She's got these massive horns and she's like, I'm whatever I want. I'm getting it. And I'm going to go for it. (laughs) <laughs> the downside is she never really got true deep rest and she couldn't fully relax. So the, I mm-hmm. I was able to really understand this like transition into this feminine. And mind you, I took like a really extreme road to get there. I went back to the serving industry. Right. I shut everything off. I didn't answer emails. Didn't look at TikTok. Like not, I fully was like, goodbye. <laughs> And have slowly allowed myself this transition instead of forcing a transition. And the word that I really chose mm-hmm. all of last year was the word saver. Um, and it started because I I had started a new relationship. And I'm like, I am new out of this healing thing. I'm just feeling hope for the first time. I don't want to I don't want to be- I don't want to make the same mistake of believing so much in my fantasy that I ignore the person's actions. Like I actually want to mm-hmm. savor this person. I want to savor our time. I want to savor me. I want to, so I just started savoring everything and that savor allowed me to slow down. And that savor allowed me Mm -hmm. to appreciate, you know, my, you know, my physical body, my, my journey through the savor allowed surrender. Just say that again, savor allowed surrender. And I also just would love to point out that I wouldn't, have become this like beautiful feminine soft person without being vulnerable again in all aspects of my life. Like, yes, I have really strong boundaries, 
and I'm really like loving and I want to be loved. And so I, I love finding these micro opportunities. I'm just way more protective mm-hmm. of my peace and I spend way more time with my tier one, less people, more time. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the, I really recognized it. It was about eight months ago. I went to one of my favorite bars in Phoenix that I used to go all the time as Mac, you know, it was right by my co-working space. And one of the shop owners was like, you've changed. Like you're not as harsh anymore. He used the word harsh. And I go, I really agree with you. Like I felt like who I was, was really sharp lines. Like it was, I was a bull. I was going to get what I wanted. And I really did. And now I have a way, it's like almost fairy godmother. I I don't have to be the bull. I just can (laughs) bippity boppity boo. And it appears. And it's truly like the savor to surrender. Um, now I'm just, I'm doing client work here and there, doing some vendor coordination, doing some product. Like I just get to dabble and I shit you not in the last two weeks, even I have gotten 15 requests for people to ask me to apply to their jobs. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, sure. Like after, you know, when I was really searching for it and it wasn't coming, I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to savor and surrender and I'm kind of how the sisterhood relationship that we have calling back to our beginning of conversation. But to really to put a cap on it, uh, you got to allow yourself to be vulnerable again with boundaries that protect mm-hmm. your peace. But you have to allow there's this allowing that has to happen. Um, and I think it's of note that it's OK if you question your faith in the universe, your faith in God, your faith in self, whatever it is. It's OK to question those things, because ultimately that's what's going to have you learn the map. You're exploring the map. You're not getting to any end journey. You're just exploring. So explore the candy land. Mm-hmm. Savor to surrender. I am putting that in my pocket. I'm coming back to it. I'm making clips about it. That is ultimately so beautiful. And also I think the direction in which the world is evolving towards is a more we need to relax, we need to soften, we need to be, and we need to be present, right? It's not about the next thing. It's not about the growth, the this, the that. And and the masculine energy is amazing because it helps you to bring your dreams and desires into the physical, right? But there's something about being in the feminine that creates so much unpredictable magic and juiciness and lusciousness. It's Oh, it just, I absolutely love it. And I love how our, our um, stories, our journeys really correlate with one another. So I'm just, I just also want to acknowledge you, Danny, because I remember Mm -hmm. as a, like somebody on the outside witnessing when you really shifted into that feminine space and I watched your business freaking Mm -hmm. take off. And on top of that, like you and I have, you would share with me the joy that you had through that and the ease through that and through your own journey have noticed where the sharpness has come in and you're like, okay, got to back up a little bit. And like just the ebb and flow of when we really just kind of sit, it's almost like jazz music. When you sit on the back of the beat and you're like, no, I just want to enjoy this song. Like that's when it feels like that's when I was really able to see it kind of on a external plane. I'm like, wow, no, yeah, she's she feels good. She loves, like, you can tell when somebody's really in themselves, authentically and deeply connecting and offering connection. 
and like watching you do that. It's beautiful, you know, as a coach and as a, as a previous business owner to look at my best friend and say like, wow, she's got it. She fucking found the key, found the key. So cheers to you. We found it together. Yes. And ultimately we had to release all of the anchors that were tying us down in order to float into creation, into source energy and allow everything that is meant for us to just trickle into our reality. So I will say to segue back into the deeper subconscious work, which is what you focused on when you welcomed me into your business with open arms. I was her little mentee. She was my mentor. One of my, yeah, one of my first mentors as I was segueing into creating my own vortex of a business. Um, you brought me through your three month productivity coaching program. And I have chills just thinking about it because I never heard about this shit until you never. And I was listening to the podcast. I was more so focused on the physical body, the fitness, the health, the nutrition. And you welcomed me into the land of the mind and neuroscience and neuroplasticity and subconscious rewiring. And that whole program, that whole phase of my life, you have changed my life. But the two that really, really got me because we are both ultimately incredibly sensitive beings as well. And we're very tapped into our psychic gifts. The number one was the number one thing that um, really helps me to change was the subconscious rewiring of the limiting beliefs that you have about yourself. And I want, I would love for you to kind of break down, even maybe define what the subconscious really is and what that, what those teachings offer to people because it completely changed my life and it helped me to believe you know what I am a fucking coach it doesn't matter if I don't have a PhD it doesn't matter if I don't have this I have something to offer this world I'm worth it it helps me break through my imposter syndrome so many fears so I would love to hear you know your definition and your perspective on these teachings that you oh I love the subconscious reprogramming I would just like to say it loud and proud I know there is a lot of teachings out there right now on the subconscious reprogramming the Mm -hmm. biggest misconception that I'm seeing is like believe it till you feel it false it's a very tactical very hands-on tool-oriented formulaic approach And like, I shit you not everything is possible when you take that approach. So subconscious reprogramming, zooming out a little bit, your identity, who you are, your behaviors and your habits are a reaction to your subconscious filing system. Like we talked about the library earlier, your subconscious filing system and the like the the label maker of your brain is this safe is this not safe very simple it is binary safe unsafe and the subconscious is the unconscious the unconscious mind, mind. yes it's the thing that makes your heart beat that you don't have to consciously beat but it is your essentially the program the operating system in which your programs are running i know i'm using a lot of like technical like computer style terms because your brain is a computer your subconscious is like Windows 11 or iOS 11. It is an operating system. Your behaviors and your habits are kind of like Google Chrome, the App Store, iTunes, right? They're all these programs that run on the operating system. 
if you want to change or update any of these apps, you have to first make sure that your operating system can handle the upgrade, right? You got to do the debugging. It takes a while. You have to literally go into the code and rewrite the code. The way to do this with your subconscious is through a very tactical approach. So many people often believe, you know, 21 days to make or break a habit. No, it takes two motherfucking minutes, two hours, if you do it correctly. So, but on, on the base level, your habits and behaviors are not going to change. You cannot force your behaviors to change unless you change your identity, unless you change your coding. So let's take a look at how do we change the inner code to tell our programs and behaviors to run differently. First and foremost, we have to know that our brain is never going to do anything that is unsafe. Something that is too big of a change is unsafe. To put this into perspective, Mm -hmm. if the Titanic had the correct directions, they they were three degrees off on their course and they crashed into an iceberg. So three degrees is about the max that we want it. Like, we're not looking for a 180. We're looking for one degree here, two degrees here, three degrees there. Micro shifts that allow the expansion. Your subconscious is created and programmed by about the time you're eight years old. So there's a level of like, you don't quite have responsibility for how you were programmed, but it is your responsibility to reprogram yourself. So if you imagine things like a telephone pole, a telephone pole, we're going to state as a peak emotional experience. For example, you got bit by a dog as a kid. So now you're afraid of dogs. And now we're going to have all of these other telephone poles along the way with the wire connecting, repeating that you are afraid of dogs. I'm afraid of dogs. The dog really barked at me and now I'm even more terrified. So over the next 15 years of your life, you are finding experiences to confirm that first telephone pole. So now that telephone wire to where you are today is really tight. It's a very tight wire and we can't go back to the last interaction you had a year ago when a dog was off leash and came up and jumped on you just confirmed that fear, we have to go back to the very first instance of that telephone pole. Here is where we take a tactical approach to reprogramming that subconscious. We take a look at that memory. We read it like a file so we understand what it is. And then we go back into that memory with that first perspective of you experiencing it. And then we take an observer perspective, observing you, experience this traumatic event and then we keep taking these observer routes and then we realize oh that dog didn't attack you that dog was hurt and scared and you actually stepped on its tail so it was react it was protecting itself and you were really Mm -hmm. scared and some like so it's it's all about literally changing how you feel and how you perceive a memory That will then uproot that telephone pole. And if you uproot that telephone pole, what do you think happens to that wire? It falls away. It falls away. So especially when it comes to how do you reprogram how you feel about things, you're not going to, you're going to initially feel like a little refreshing breath of air, but it is not a drastic change initially. And that's where I think people can get really discouraged is it does take time for it to start to actually truly shift. Right. 
But that initial like, hey, I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to change this from sadness to appreciation. I'm going to change this from trauma to neutral. You can then, A, go back on that memory mm -hmm. without being angry, see it from a different perspective, and you no longer will be planting telephone poles that confirm that identity belief. So you therefore have actually shifted. For example, like smoking being a really big one, how you feel like you're not going to stop smoking or stop vaping until your identity around it changes. So it's not about breaking the physical mm -hmm. habit. It's about changing your identity. And the way you do that, you can do through your literal physical language. You know, in the past, I had a pattern of smoking and now I'm not a smoker. Because when you use your physical mm -hmm. language, your brain is then putting the files in the past, right? So the work that we've done around the subconscious, one is very tactical. You have to take an observer's approach to your past trauma and, and it, it lessens the load, right? I can say things like my ex-husband two weeks after losing my fourth pregnancy, looked in my fa face and said, I'm grateful we lost that pregnancy without feeling any kind of anger or mm -hmm. sadness now, because I recognize that he was scared out of his fucking mind. And that had nothing to do with me. So now it does, it's yeah. not an arrow in my heart, right? So now I'm not worried about people saying mean things because I've shifted my perspective on it. And this also be, can be extremely powerful for people who have had any kind of sexual trauma, especially. Because that is something mm -hmm. that is like we spend a third of our life in sexuality and sensuality, whether it's seeking a partner, seeking what pleasures us. And if we have trauma around that, it is very difficult to go through. And a way that can help is by doing this subconscious reprogramming in a very tactical manner to allow yourself to move through that. So it is very much an English language approach, the words you say, how you say them, and when you say them. Create your world. Correct. Yeah. yeah. That's where the manifestation, that's what why I love working with you and talking to you. I mean, you activate the fuck out of me. I absolutely love it. I hope everybody else, I know everybody else is feeling activated listening to this as well, but that's where like kind of the, you also bring that like witchy woo woo universal magic into the practice that you have and express it in a way where it's scientific and, and analytical. And like you said, tangible for people to digest more if they're not really connected to that, that way and, and manifestation you also taught me like, be so careful with your language, with linguistics, what you say about yourself, what you say about your patterns, ultimately create who you are as a person, therefore putting you in that energy or vibration and then attracting more of that into your life or making these habits more difficult to break. And I definitely want to highlight that because that's where that like manifestation magic also comes in to the programming of the especially I'm so glad you brought that up Danny because I feel like what a lot of folks are missing in the manifestation and the subconscious reprogramming thing is like yes it is the feeling orientation but we forget that we're translating feelings into English we're putting words mm -hmm. to our feelings we're putting words to our manifestations 
So that's why linguistically, mm-hmm. we have to be really conscientious of what words we're giving those feelings of either manifestation or reprogramming, because we don't want them to just be one dimensional or one linear word. We want to create a word that has a feeling behind it, because the only way to really change yourself, your perspective is through a peak emotional experience. And that's where you have a huge range of emotions that is affecting the chemical makeup of your brain. So if we can create linguistics in manifestation that essentially create a peak emotional experience every time we say these words, like you're feeling the culmination, the strength, the completely activated and lit up, the feeling plus the words equals the action. That's manifestation. So when you are finding like, that's why the, you know, there's very cliche, like, I love you, like find a word or a combination of words that is going to capture the energetic essence of what you feel. So every time you say them, you know exactly how to feel. So one mm-hmm. of the things I teach in the Productivity Accelerator that you have, you and I have loved going through is finding those wow. like su- those different states, like the super confident state, the listening state, the learning state, but the confidence state. This is calling back to like pulling the soccer file with the new rage file. Mm-hmm. You are activating a memory using very strong linguistics. Like I remember yours was that volleyball game. We go back to the volleyball game and you know what color jersey you're wearing. You heard the crowd. You heard the air conditioning in the gym. You were like, and we called it a very specific like book title, like Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Those combination of words, when I say those, people know exactly what I'm talking about. They know exactly how they feel. They were like, oh, that's the first Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe is a baby. We are so excited to get into the world, wizarding world of Harry Potter. A rush of emotions comes up. And we need to use that for both reprogramming and manifestation. It's all in your language. Mm, So good. State activation. That's also one of the tools that you taught where it's like a memory where you were feeling a specific emotion that you want to feel, calling on that memory, naming it something specific, and then you activate yourself and it puts you back into that heightened state that you, you wanted to experience. It's, This work, there's so much depth. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about this, but ultimately you just need to, you know, sign up and work with Mac one-on-one because it's like you said, it's a lot of work and it's consistent work, but ultimately with the supercomputer, you get to a point of expertise, I would say, or mastery when it comes to this type of work, which I feel like both you and I are at now. So Thanks to the work that I did with you, I notice when something's, you know, coming up in my reality, there's an experience and I'm like, oh, I can't or, oh, like I have this, this checker. I don't, I don't know how to express it. This, this individual, this, a part of my inner counsel now is the limiting belief police. And they're like, is that a limiting belief? Is that a limiting limiting belief? Secretary says. Right. She's like, "Mm, excuse me you're limiting yourself. So how can we expand this and here are the tools that you need and you know in order to apply it and remove or work through this limiting belief, therefore continuously creating more expansion if that's what you so choose in your life and in your journey. And it 
It's powerful. And that's the point of coaching is to be able to teach somebody how to use the tools in their own way. So they don't, they don't need you anymore. They have their own coach in the yeah. head. And that's what you're doing with this beautiful business of limitless mm -hmm. being of your coaching program. That's what I've done with productivity accelerator. That's why like we become mm -hmm. boxing coaches in the corner of like, you know how to fight. I'm going to give you just a little nudges here and there so that when you're ready, you can actually then go coach other people how to fight. Right. It becomes this past. This is the truest form of connection and story and lessons mm -hmm. is through like fully experiencing it. Here you go. You say, OK, I'm going to fully experience it and then I'm going to pass it along because we know how powerful yeah. these things are. And it is it would be unkind of us not to share it. Right. Right. Ultimately, we do this work initially for ourselves to heal ourselves, you know, from your brain injury, from what you went through, that's what led you to learn and gain this wealth of knowledge to heal yourself. And then finding the power and the, the beauty and the limitless potential in the tools that you have used to heal yourself, ultimately wanting to give back to others and to heal and help this planet so that we can leave a positive imprint um, before we leave this earth. Savor to surrender. So, Savor it all. Savor. She always has these, these mic drop moments. Like, uh, I just, I love talking to you so much. I want to, I want to wrap this up in a beautiful little bow. So if you could say something to the audience, something, maybe one of your favorite quotes or one of your favorite teachers, your favorite mentors, just give something to the audience that can really encompass who you are right now and how you've gotten to who you are right now. Give me one second. I'm going to bring it all together. Sweet listener. Hey, sweet one. It is okay to be where you're at. I know you are so, so eager to get to the other side, but turns out you are on the other side. You just haven't built it up yet allow yourself the patience allow yourself to be angry because who you are at your core is safe and if you feel that any part of you does not have the platform then build it for them because it is worth it to hear mm -hmm. yourself scream both in joy and in rage but it is worth building the podium for so focus on that be kind with your patience but be kindest to yourself and just to add on to something that you taught me and that you continuously have said to your clients to add a little cherry on top is you don't have to be anybody but yourself you would always say take the hat off take the mask off come as you are who you are where you are with your emotions and your heart right now and we will love you support you and hold your hand through it absolutely Always as you are. Mm. So beautiful. So tell us what's going on in your vortex. Any exciting announcements? Where to find where the listeners can find you? I'm really you. excited. I am coming back to do more regular content. Um, very much a very tactical and both energetic approach to productivity. 
Um, you can find most of that on TikTok, the.productivity.coach. Um, later this year, I will be offering standalone courses where I'm just going to really give you a pack for a punch um, what you're needing. And especially as, as we're introducing AI into a lot of our work, um, I'm going to teach you how to make sure that your intuition is always stronger than AI so that you can always have a job at a place in this ah. world. Yeah. yeah. So what? that's, that's, well, that's, that's, that's the biggest evolution wow. is we, you, I want to make sure that you will always have uh, a bigger impact than AI. Obviously you want to know how to utilize it, but you also want to make sure that your intuition is stronger, making sure that you are always having a place in the world. Um, and productivity um, is not just how to do work. It's when to do it and how to be most effective. So um, TikTok is going to be the place to hang out with me. Tell me what you need. And I got you. I literally have nine years of experience in this field. So I pretty much have every answer that you're going to need. Um, and I just, Danny, thank you so much yeah. for bringing me on to your beautiful space and your beautiful podcast. You're such an incredible host and you're a wealth of information. So mm -hmm. just really honored mm -hmm. to be in this. This is like one of our little anchor points on the map. I love you. Yeah, of course. I will continuously be having you back over and over and over again. And I think this, it's just a, a reconfirmation of why I love you so much and I love talking to you. You really are the embodiment of somebody that continues to lift everybody up around you with your energy, your intention, and your incredible knowledge that you have. So thank you. I know the listener, like this episode, probably my best to date. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I know the listeners are going to gain so much from this. I love you. Bye, Bye everybody. Guys. See you next week. <laughs>